Amen. Glad you're here. Glad you're here every single week. Uh, why don't we tell them thanks for our lunch today. Good job on our lunch. Do it encourage you on your way out. There's a bowl full of these wooden nickels. Be sure and grab some of those every single week. We want to be inviting folks, thinking about who we can invite to, to join us every week. Uh, the, the, the best thing that could happen this week is we would double ourselves for next week. And everybody would grab somebody and tell them to meet you here or pick them up next Thursday. Grab a handful of these wooden nickels. And as you're going through the course of your week, just be thinking about who you can snag and say, hey, join me at the men's lunch uh, every single Thursday this coming Thursday. Uh, so again, want to be want to be cognizant about who we can invite to our men's lunch. Glad that you're here today. Uh, today, in our men's lunch, uh, we have been going through the book of Second Peter. We went verse by verse through the book of First Peter. We've been going verse by verse through the book of Second Peter. Uh, I had planned to pick up where we left off last week uh, here in Second Peter. I worked on it the last couple of days. Uh, it is talking about we're we're at a place there in Second Peter that it is talking about false teachers. And it is talking about the danger of false teachers. Last week I talked about, you know what we need today is the truth. What is missing today is the biblical truth and how that's being distorted, how that's being neglected. Uh, and, and this is talking about false teachers, how they shift the, the truth, how they change the truth, uh, how really, and, and, and they're prevalent. He said they're going to be prevalent in our day to day. And so we've been talking about that um, those who would distort the truth of God's word. We're going to go back there next week. Again, very important for us as Christians, very vital for us as Christians. Uh, so we'll go back there. But this morning, uh, I came in very early and, and was working on my message for the funeral I preached this morning at 10. And I actually decided to change our message for today. And so uh, I, I've changed it up. Uh, I, I was thinking this morning, uh, in the midst of talking about falsehood, in the midst of talking about false teachers, in the midst of talking about the damage that is being done through these false teachers, uh, today I want to talk about the truth. And it, it, just, it just hung on me. You know what, I, I, we'll get back to that and we'll talk about uh, how imperative it is that we stand upon correct doctrine. But today, very simply, I, I just want to talk about the truth. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. Let me, let me start off and ask the question, and I'm going to be as blunt as I can be today. I'm going to be um, very plain spoken today, but, but I just want to speak the truth to you today. Let me, let me start off and ask the question. The question is this, where you sit today, on this day, are you ready to meet Jesus Christ? Not, not well, maybe I hope or this or that or I, I think I am. I hear a lot of, sometimes people say that. Uh, very, very serious. What if today was the day? And I want everybody here, not, what about him or them? You talking about yourself. You, where you sit in your seat today, what if it were today? What if today is the day that you meet Jesus Christ. As, as heavy as that is, what if today is the day that you were to meet Jesus Christ? Because here is the truth. The day is coming when you will meet Jesus Christ. That is, that is the truth. The Bible tells us our lives are but a vapor, and, and we see that, and it becomes uh, more and more clear to us as we, as we live our life. Um, remember people that, man, they were a big deal, and they've gone on. Remember when, when this guy, man, everybody knew this guy, and, and they've gone on, and, 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 and one generation, two generations later, we do not even remember their, their, their name. Think about how fast life is going by. Life is but a vapor, poof, and it's gone, and it, and it passes by. 
there are men who sat in these seats last year, and I'm talking about 2017, three weeks ago. There are are men who sat in these seats who have passed away, and they're not here today. That's, That's the honest truth. The week before our Christmas break, Right back here at this seat, John Jones sat at this table. And he, he came in, he's very ill. He, he sat at that table. Uh, he sat with his friends at the table. Some of them were new friends. Some of them were, were lifelong friends. Uh, but he, his wife told me what a joy it was to, for him to come and on Thursday to sit with men. That was, that was before we took our break for Christmas. Before we started back from our break from Christmas, I preached his funeral. He has met Jesus. There, there are others as well. And so I, I just want you to, to, to be uh, thinking about the question today. If this were the day, are you ready to meet Jesus? Let me tell you the truth today. The, the truth is this. First off, it is this. You will die. You are going to die. Now, don't, don't look so surprised when I say that. Some of you are kind of going, um, you're going to die. You are going to die. Now, don't get mad, especially at me, uh, for telling that. You are going to die. I do not know why we're so shocked at that statement. The death rate is 100%. The death rate is absolutely 100%. Uh, we, we go, and I always watch the, the, how we go through life. Uh, we'll go, and we're in our 20s, and we're going to have a kid, and we plan for it, and we're excited about it. We send out invitations or cards announcing that we're having a kid, and, and then we send out cards when we have the kid. Uh, it's an awesome thing. We expect that, but then, but then we gather at the funeral home, and we wonder, how did we ever get here? I, I didn't see this coming. Uh, what, what a shock this is. Uh, listen to me, friend. You will die. King Solomon wrote it like this. There is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Listen to me, friend. As stark as it is, the truth is this. You will die. The Bible says the grave is never satisfied. The grave is never filled up. The grave is never so full that there can't be room for one more. Until Jesus comes again, the grave is never satisfied. You will die. That's the truth. Reconcile that. Second part of that is this. When you die, you will be judged. When you die, you will be judged. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, Then inasmuch as it is appointed for men once to die, you're going to die. After this comes judgment. That's the truth. After you die, you're going to meet Jesus Christ. You will have your day of judgment. The question is today, are you ready for that day? Because I want to be honest with you. I think we've, we've, we've soft-pedaled this. We've, we've made it an easy thing. But I, I want to be very honest with you. Not all people are going to heaven. Do you know that? Not, not all people, not everybody is going to heaven. In fact, the Bible tells us most people are not going to heaven. It says broad is the road that leads to destruction. Most people, that's what God has said himself. Most people are not going to heaven. Not all people are going to heaven. In fact, most of them aren't going to heaven. There's a lot of, there's a lot of mis 
perception about this today, and maybe it's, it's to make us feel better, but there's a lot of mistruth about this. We start thinking, well, all people are going to be in heaven. Or good people, surely good people, they're going to be in heaven. Or, or maybe people that were more good than they were bad, maybe it's some sort of scale, and if you were better than you were bad, that you're going to be in heaven. Well, they were a pretty good person. They're going to be in heaven. Or, or, or we might start to think, well, religious people. Man, they were, they were always in church. Religious people, they're going to, they're going to be in heaven. Or, or maybe some person that just knew there was a God and somehow tipped their hat to him, and, and they'll have a place in heaven. Or, 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 or we start to think, really, unless you did something so terrible that you'd be disqualified from it, you're going to be in heaven. I actually did a funeral for a guy. It's been, been years ago. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I won't know the guy. There was nothing good to say about this guy. His family couldn't come up with anything good to say about this guy. And, and this is what a guy actually told me. It's a true story. He said, so-and-so kept a nice yard and loved animals. And so I'm pretty sure he's in heaven. True story. Guys, God's not looking for a yard man. He's not running a yard service. That's not the criteria. Well, he, he loved animals. That's got to be some sign that, that they're in heaven. Listen to me. The truth is this, and if you don't hear anything else, hear this. The only way to have eternal life is by a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That is the only way to have eternal life, by saving faith in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this. While we're on the subject of speaking honestly, and if you do not have a saving faith, listen to these words, if you do not have a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. You will go to hell. While we're on the subject of truth, let me, let me just tell you a little bit about this. Hell is real. Hell is terrible. Uh, unimaginable, unspeakable, hell is terrible. Hell is eternal. It, it does not end. Hell, once you're in hell, you're going to stay in hell. And that's the biblical truth about hell. I think some guys think, well, I want to grow my church. I want to draw people in, so we're not going to talk about hell. Some of these guys will actually, actually tell you that. I want to tell you the truth is this. Hell is real. Hell is terrible. You do not want to go to hell. And without a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to bust it wide open. You're going to spend eternity in hell. The first, the first push of our goofy generation has been to say, well, hell's not real. And so here comes a bunch of preachers, and, and Oprah Winfrey says this, and Rob Bell, and some of these other these guys that are, that are preaching today, and they say, a good God can't have a hell. A good God couldn't send anybody to hell. And they've, they've got to defend this idea of what they say a good God is. And so they say, hell's not real. Hell is this life. I actually heard a sermon. Hell is hell's this life. It's so bad. This is your hell. Hell is the guilt that you carry for all the dumb decisions you made. Hell's not real. And so, so there's, a, there's a belief system. Hell's not real. There's a new push that says this. Hell is real. They can't deny the Bible. They can't actually can, but, but they, don't, they don't feel comfortable. Hell is real. But once you get there, you're going to find a way to repent and get out of it. Now, the guy that wrote the book, The Shack, a whole lot of other popular preachers today are saying that. It's real. You're going to go there. But once you get there, it's going to be so bad. You're going to say, God, I understand you're, you're our, our only hope and Jesus was the Messiah and I repent and I'm sorry and you're going to leave hell and somehow find your way to, to God's glory in heaven. The truth is this. Hell is real. 
Hell is forever. The Bible's clear. And the only way to have eternal life, to possess eternal life, is by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, the only way, the only way, there's not several ways, there's not many ways, there is one way to have eternal life, and that is by faith in Jesus Christ. Well, what about the good Hindu? What about the good Muslim? We're all on the same road going to the same destination. That's not going to hold up. Only by faith in Jesus Christ will you be saved. John 14, 6, Jesus speaking. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, not one, will come into the Father but through me. Here's the truth. You're going to die. Here's the truth. When you die, there's going to be a judgment. Here's the truth. There's only one way to, to have eternal life, and that's through faith in Jesus Christ. And so let me, let me just talk very quickly today. So what is a saving faith in Jesus Christ? What is the truth that saves? Very simply, what is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? If, if Jesus is the criteria, if he's the only door, the only way we're going to be saved, what is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Let me, let me talk you to it, through it very, very quickly this morning. First truth is this. God is holy. God is, is powerful. He's awesome. He's the creator of all things. Our God is holy. He is pristine. He cannot tolerate sin. In fact, he can have no part of sin. That, that is our God. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to bring him down to our level. The, the truth is we can't bring him down to our level. He is holy, unimaginable, marvelous, majestic. Our God is holy. We, we serve, we follow, we are created by a holy God. Here's the problem. We're not. We're sinners. All of us are sinners. All of us are sinners. The Bible says, Romans 3, we've all sinned. All of us have entered into sin. And I, I think sometimes we do a pretty good job of acting like, well, I'm doing better than I was, or maybe I'm doing better than that guy, or, or, or maybe I'm trying hard. Listen to me. You have sinned. All of us, we are sinners. And in our sin, because of our sin, we are separated from that holy God. He's holy. We're sinners. We're separated from, from that holy God. Our relationship is severed with that holy God. Let me tell you something that ties to that. We also have secured a punishment because of our sin. I want to tell you, it's, it's a terrible thing to be separated from God who creates you, who loves you. I think that's why we go through life and think, you know what, if I can get my relationships right, things are going to get better. I'm trying to, to, to make up for that relationship that's broken. You know what, if I can get on drugs or I can do these things, I can numb these feelings inside of me to repair this relationship that's bro broken. You know what, if I can have enough business and, and draw enough money, I can, I can feel better and I can repair the feelings of this broken relationship. Listen to me, it's a terrible thing to be separated from your creator God, but you have earned a punishment in your sin. That punishment, the Bible says, is death. Romans chapter 6, the wages of sin is death. What we've earned by sinning is death. We have earned death. Do you see why this is very serious? Do you see why we can't shrug this off? Well, there's no hell. Well, it doesn't last if there is. Well, we're all okay. Well, there's many ways to be saved. Listen to me. The payment, the penalty for sin is 
death. God has judged sin. We are condemned already in our sin. We're awaiting the execution of that punishment. We're awaiting that final death. The Bible says that the final death is this separation from God. Book of Revelation, we're awaiting the sentence to fall on us. Here's, here's the truth about lost people. They, they go through life, and man, they're trying to act like it's a, it's a pretty good life, and they've got the car they've always wanted, and they've got the job they've always wanted, and their, their relationships on Facebook seem to be a pretty good deal, but they're walking as dead people. They're walking dead people. We dress it up. We, we make it look like it's a positive thing. They're walking as dead people. The punishment for sin is death. And let me, let me just talk about this for just a second. I earned that. There, there's something inside me that says, I, I didn't earn that. Or, or, or maybe it's in you. You didn't earn that. You earned that. I earned that. We, we, we live in a, in a culture maybe the last 30, 40 years where nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. Look how our kids act today. Well, you, you didn't know my parents. Well, you didn't know the neighborhood I grew up in. Well, you didn't know how it was stacked against me. Well, you didn't know the terrible things I went through. I didn't earn this. It's somebody else's fault. Listen to me. I sinned. I knew what was right. I did what was wrong. I knew what I ought to stop doing. I kept doing it anyway. I rejected the truth of God. I sinned. I earned a punishment. You did too. I earned my death. Here's the good news. The good news is this, and listen, and listen with, with all you have today. Good news is this. God loves sinners. I earned the punishment. You did too. But God loves you as a sinner. While we were yet sinners, he loves us. He, he loves sinners. Now, I, I, I try to think about these deep religious things. You know what? The greatest mystery to me is not creation. He created in seven literal days, six days, seventh day, rested. I, I don't have a problem with that. You know what? All the miracles of the Bible, this happened. The axe head floats. This happens. People get healed. I don't have a problem with that. I could understand that. The miracle of the resurrection, he's actually physically dead. He's alive again. You know what? I can understand that. The greatest mystery in the Bible to me is this, that God loves sinners. That's, that's absurd. That ought to blow us out of our seats. We reject him. We turn our backs on him. We deny him. We slander him. In our sin, we reject him, and he loves us. That's the greatest mystery of the Bible. I, I, I would be so done with me. I would be so done with me, and more so some of y'all. Greatest mystery of the Bible is that God loves us, and God loves you so much, he repairs the relationship. He takes what was severed in sin and he restores it in grace. He takes what was broken in our sin, our rejection of him, and he restores it to the cross of Jesus Christ. Good news. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world. And you know what the world, those are sinful people. He loves the world so much he sends his only begotten son. The greatest mystery is that he loves us so much that he loves us in spite of the fact that we've sinned, that he sends his only begotten son. Let me tell you what that means. His son comes. He's born in Bethlehem. We know the story. He lives his life. He does not sin. 
Because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer himself in our place. Had he sinned, he would have had to pay his own penalty. He doesn't sin. He's able to offer himself in our place. The last three years of his life, he begins a ministry where he starts telling people, I am the Messiah. I am the Savior for sin. I am your hope. He begins to tell people that. He begins to tell them, I I am the remedy for sin. And then we get to the, the end of those 33 years in the perfect sinless final lamb of God, Jesus, dies for sin. Jesus says, you know what? I am able to save you, but I am also willing to save you. Jesus Christ was willing to save us. Well, that sounds like a gracious thing. That sounds like a good thing. Let me tell you what it means when Jesus says he is willing to save us and for the joy set before him endured the cross. Here's what that means. He's willing to save us. And so they take the perfect, sinless lamb of God, the kind, gracious Savior, Jesus. The Bible says they beat him in the book of Isaiah until he's not the form of a man. You couldn't tell who he was anymore. They pull the beard out of his face. They jerk the beard out of his face. They fashion and a crown of thorns and they push it into his brow. They sink it into his head and the perfect Savior, his blood begins to run down there of his crown. They take him, they pull his arms, they stretch him out and they nail him to a cross and they crucify him, the most terrible way to die. They crucify Jesus Christ. It says in the book of Philippians, even death on a cross. It would have been easier to stone him. It would have been easier to hang him. It would have been easier to choke him to death. They hang him on a cross. Even even death on a cross, he dies. And the penalty of death is paid in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Don't be numb to that. Do not become apathetic to that. Do not get so used to that. We say, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. Listen to me. Every whip of that, that, that whip across his back, every strap across his back, every blow of that hammer as it falls was for your sin and was for my sin. And he bleeds and he dies and he gasps for air. And the precious Lamb of God dies for my sin. Do not become numb to that. They put him in a grave. He's dead. I read that account one Easter. I preached on it. Can you imagine pulling him off the cross? We kind of gloss over that. They have to jerk him off the nails. They have to go ahead and pull his hands through the nails and pull his shin bones through the nails. The Savior that's dead and he's cold and they take him off there and they wrap him up and they put him in a grave. He's dead. Payment for sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Payment's made. Penalties paid. Three days later, Easter Sunday morning, the wrath of God has been poured out upon Jesus. The penalty for sin has been forever paid in the cross of Calvary. The Savior dead in the grave three days, Easter Sunday morning, he steps out of that grave. He is alive He is risen from the dead. His payment is fully received. The sacrifice for sin now stands as the Savior for sinful men. The slaughtered Lamb of God now stands as the risen King, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he stands alive. Listen to me. He stands alive. The angel says, why do you look for the the living, the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive. He is risen from the grave. Jesus is alive. Good news of the gospel. He pays the penalty. 
The payment's received. He defeats death. He pays it all. And his death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says this. If you believe that, if you receive that by faith, you are saved. You profess with your mouth Jesus is Lord because you believe in your heart of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the payment for sin. If you believe that in your heart, you will be saved. Not by knowledge of it, but by faith in that. What that means is this. I know God is holy. I know my sin is terrible. I hate it. I'm grieved over it. I know Jesus paid that penalty and I'm trusting in Jesus as the remedy for my sin. Listen to me, the only remedy that's ever going to be offered. Not going to be another remedy ever offered. It was settled in the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you profess that, you are saved. Here's the question. Are you ready to meet Jesus? Has there been a day, I'm very serious right now, has there been a day that you understand I'm a sinner? Has there been a day that you understand I serve and I'm created by a holy God and I'm sorry for the sin I've committed against him. I understand my penalty is death and I understand the greatest act of grace my Savior Jesus came and paid my penalty, was put in a grave and now lives as the resurrected Savior. Has there been a day when you said, you know what, my faith is in Jesus Christ, the remedy for my sin? Well, I've heard that. Well, I'm not sure of that. Well, I've been going to church a long time. Well, my my grandmother sure prayed for me a lot. Has there been a day, listen to me, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If there hasn't, why not make it today? Why not settle it today? Why not say, Lord God, forgive me. Jesus, I claim you as my Savior, my Lord. I believe and I put my trust in you as the remedy for my sin. And the best I know how, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Why not leave a Thursday men's lunch with it settled, a saving faith in Jesus Christ? What does that bring? What's what's the hope in that? I I just preached this funeral. I'm going to do a a graveside at 2 o'clock. This song hit me this morning and I talked about it in the the service I just left. There is a song and we sing it a whole lot. We love this song and and one of the verses says this. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Listen to me, man, listen. That's actually a day. On the authority of God's word, that's actually a day. That's actually going to be a day. I want to tell you, I'm looking forward to that day. There's actually going to be a day because of Jesus Christ, because of the gospel, the good news of of the fact that sinners can be reconciled, there's actually going to be a day that we're going to be in glory, not because of any work of our own, but we're going to be in glory. And we're going to be there, and we're actually going to pass 10,000 years. And we're going to stand with those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, and I'm looking forward to seeing my dad, and I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of other folks, and I'm going to see them redeemed again because of Jesus Christ. More than that, I'm 
want to see Jesus himself and 10,000 years will have come and 10,000 years will have clicked by and I'll be in the presence of my Savior and you know what? We will have just begun on that day and on that day there's not going to be any sickness and not any sorrow and not the consequence of sin and no more caskets and no more graveyards and no more adultery and no more turning on your kids and no more filth and garbage. We're going to stand purified in the presence of Jesus and 10,000 years will have come and gone and we will have just started. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, I can't wait to turn to Jesus and tell him, I'm ready to praise you, Lord. We've just begun. Are you ready to meet Jesus today? Settle it today. Do not leave here today without it settled. Let's pray. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll leave in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come. I'm thankful for Jesus, my Savior, my hope, and my King. I'm thankful for the forgiveness of sins that I have. Didn't earn it, do not deserve it, but that I have through Jesus Christ. Thankful, Lord, for the, the provision that you've made for us through the cross. Lord, I come today and I tell you very honestly, I'm tired of caskets. Tired of hearses, tired of broken hearts, tired of men in this room that are going to go home tonight without their wife, watch TV and eat supper by themselves. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sick of the, the absence that we, that we yearn to not be separated, but because of sin we're separated. And I look forward to that day when we stand reunited with them, most of all when we stand in the presence of you, our King. And we celebrate for all eternity. I pray for men in this room today that upon hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today they would turn and they would be saved. Lord, impress upon their heart that today they would be saved. For us in this room that are saved, I pray that we couldn't help it. That it would burn in the, in the midst of our souls. And as we stand here at these tables today, we'd be so thankful for a salvation that wasn't earned, a cross that was meant for us, and a Savior who stands as King. That we couldn't help but start praising you today. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.